Welcome to the Next Tuesday Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Susie. I'm Caroline. And we're making women great again, even though we were already pretty great. We share authentic business stories, one woman at a time. We're a little Wall Street and a little woo-woo. We'll see you next and every Tuesday. What up? What is up, you guys? It is another Tuesday or whenever you're listening to this because... You can listen whenever on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Actually, not Stitcher. We're working on Stitcher. But you can get us on Spotify. SoundCloud. Reach out to Stitcher and tell them that you want us. We're working on it. We promise. Working on it. So we were sitting and kind of talking about everyone's favorite topic to bitch about, which is Instagram. And uh, we were talking about a lot of the... There's a lot of people just like really pushing out a lot of content, but a lot of the content at least to me and maybe to Suze, you can speak for yourself, but I mean, well, to Susie too, she already said this. Um, it feels pretty disingenuine when it's trying to be genuine. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like Instagram have like such a love hate relationship with it. I also have such a love hate relationship with the word genuine and the word authentic. Yeah. Because I feel like whenever we plan our posts, they might be authentic as we're writing them, but like the energy might not totally match the moment if we delay the post of it. You know what I mean? Right. Because now there's all these planning things and we want to be more honest about ourselves and what we're working through and where we are. And then you write something and if you don't post it in the moment, it's probably because it's not the right time of day to post because of these algorithms. It's not timed properly with the pictures that we want to have up at a certain time because now we're color coordinating yeah and we need to have this presence and like make things look perfect which doesn't feel like our messy lives and our messy businesses but it looks nice it does look nice so we want to like it yeah but does that stay authentic or lose off I don't know sometimes I look through my Instagram and what I posted two weeks ago I'm like ooh, that's not my truth anymore but then someone sees that and that was my truth then but it's not now and I know that we change and then I just go through this whole spiral and I'm like (sighs) and then it's an hour later and you're still sitting on the toilet your butt's asleep because that's when I search that's when I do my Instagram stuff is when I'm in the bathroom And I think the other thing with Instagram that I think we all just need to be so careful of is recognizing that Instagram isn't real life and we can't compare ourselves based on other people's processes or what we read other people are doing. And I think for me personally, uh, that's like what I'm working through constantly at the Mm -hmm. moment just because... I'm having a kid and my business is taking more of a backseat because I'm going to do the stay-at-home mom thing for a little bit and see how I feel. And I mean, you're still like running a podcast, so that's that Yeah, counts. and I still like am doing other little pro- – but my income is different than it was you yeah. know, three months ago and right. um, as far as what I'm bringing to the table. And I think – sometimes I get caught in in just I'm in a different place in life than a lot of these people who are running their businesses and in their business and I think we all are at different places of life and some of us moms are working hard and bringing our work into the birthing room and awesome yeah like if you like but for real like if you can like write a brief while you're in labor I am I am very very impressed because I've heard of some women doing that I'm like how the heck what yeah and like power to you good for you and then there's me and I'm like I just binge watch Gilmore Girls and practice my hypnobirthing and I'm just gonna like do my thing and try and be as chilled out as I can and like I think we all have choices 
and we need to honor our choices. And I think Instagram sometimes makes us question yeah. our choices yes. and makes it difficult to honor the choices that We've are made. right for us and feel good for us. But then it's easy to doubt it when you see like all these other badass people doing these badass things and you're like, I want to be badass. And yeah. you are a badass. You're so badass. And not everything has to happen now. Yeah. And your business is beautiful and you Instagrammers and you influencers you do great work and, and it's you so pretty and we all love it. and we do love to look at it like this is just a reminder it. that like the mess is the real thing we're all messy yeah. no one has a face that's perfect and symmetrical and without a blemish oh my god i have so many zits right now p.s and we use cover up to cover our faces who and wants use... to sponsor us cover up and or dermatologists yeah get at us we use pretty pictures to make our businesses look great. And it's all good. You can do it however you want. This is just a plug to remind us it's all messy. Thank you for attending our TED Talk. Thank you <laughs> for letting me word vomit. Speaking of messes. Speaking of messes, let's talk about getting messy. Let's get messy. Today, I'm actually, we're so excited about this episode. So pumped. Because today's guest, didn't she reach out to us? She did, yeah. She reached out to us, and it was, that's like so awesome when people reach out to us, first of all. Especially when it's a profession that isn't necessarily on our radar. Right, yeah. And it, she just fit really well with the season, and we were like, oh my god, this is great. So today, we are talking to Theodora Miller, and she is an artist. She's an artist, and she tackled her passion and she was in the corporate world and she had some life get messy life got real messy which led her to this awesome space where she is totally loving life and she makes really really pretty pieces that are for sale i know i've seen some in the galleries around the uh, richmond region and then um, she has an online shop as well and i just i really liked speaking with her just about everything that she has kind of gone through so without further ado here's our girl theodora We are here sitting with Theodora Miller, who is awesome, and we've already decided this, and we've been here for probably like 15 minutes already just chatting. Yeah, talking about hieroglyphics and all of the cool old school random artistic talents that we had growing up, because she's an abstract artist. Which is pretty cool. So do you want to tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, so it's interesting because it, it is something that I've just been doing over the last five years or so, but I always consider myself like a child artist. I was always the kid doodling and drawing and entering different contests and posters and things that that was just kind of my language as a young child and always like creating things and, um, and drawing. And then somewhere along the road, I mean, it was definitely my thing. Like I was, you know, the artist and the family. But somehow, after I went to college, I got really wrapped into trying to succeed and have a major. And mm -hmm. my mother immigrated here from Greece, and it was like, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. There was like this extreme pressure. And I never took an art class in college. Not and I one. just, not one. I like 
totally walked away from it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, I got into, um, financial services and I worked in the corporate world for like 16 years. And, but there was always this, this need to be creative, this need to make things with my hands. And so it manifested itself in what I was doing design-wise in my house, or I would make, you know, costumes for my kids or for their birthday parties or, you know, whatever. I just, I always had to, uh, had to be doing something with my hands. And then as more time went by, you know, you, you, you have a family, you raise children, it's not really your time. You know, you're really always kind of battling the schedule and battling where you have to be and who needs to be where and everything. And, and I had a really successful career in corporate, in the corporate world and financial services. But even though I was successful at it, it really didn't make my heart sing. And once I reached a certain number of promotions and reached a certain dollar salary figure and everything, it almost became less and less fulfilling. And so I started going on this whole, you know, journey on, you know, what, what if, if, if salary and schedule and location were not, if you could do anything, what, what would it be? And so I started going on this kind of um, journey, trying to figure it out and took some tests and things like that, strength finders and all yeah. these other things. And it was funny because it became clear that it had to be something that was aligned with the mission. It had to be, it's something in design, arts, marketing, communications, it had to have a purpose. And so I ended up um, taking a leap of faith. I had been looking at um, private schools for my children and I fell in love with these local independent schools and then they had this creative opportunity and I said, well, you know what? I, I, I think I could do this and I think I have enough business skills and, and acumen that I could, I could do this. So about 10 years I made that leap and I left the corporate world and kind of shocked all the people around me and tried something completely different. And so then I've been been in this environment and in the not-for-profit world and trying to tell their story. And it happens to be an all-girls school. And, you know, we're there to help girls find their dreams and chase them and everything. And it, it started rubbing off on me, you know, in terms of, well, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I'm still a grown-up, but that doesn't mean it's over. And then I had read this one article um, by Gina Pell, who's this unbelievable tech entrepreneur and design entrepreneur. And she coined this phrase called perennial. You know, now they're, you know, each generation, you know, has their own thing. And the millennials, of course, are getting a lot of, a lot of airtime and explanation and, and everything. But she coined the term um, perennials because there's like a season to your life. And it's almost like this ageless season where you kind of go through rhythms where you try different things and you evolve over time. And it's more about having this growth mindset and um, connecting with people and connecting with the world. So anyway, we're still not even to the art piece yet. But anyway, I've just been on this like journey, right? And so the big thing is I was in a car accident and I started having chronic pain and chronic issues about the same time that I started having like wanting to do more for myself. And so I started taking courses and different workshops just on the weekends. And it, it was really interesting because I would totally lose track of time. 
I would not eat or drink. The whole day would go by and I felt so energized. And not only that, like I might go with pain and headaches, but I would leave pain free. And I was like, you know what? I have got to do more and more of this. And so I started dabbling in it more and more. And then I put a she shed in my backyard. Yeah, she shed. Yeah, did, you know, had my own studio back there. And I was doing it as much as I had time to do it. Um, And then... And then we started having more conversation is like, you know, well, how do we, okay, well, now we know we, what we want to do with our time, but how do we give more time back to ourselves? And so my husband and I decided to sell the big suburban house and move to the fan and downsize. And we always talked about doing it when our kids would graduate, but I, I still had two kids at home and one's and still in an elementary school at the time. And I was like, you know, I don't want to wait. I don't want to put my life on hold. Like, let's do it now. He's a big home brewer. And so oh. that's what he wants to spend his time doing. And I wanted to be painting and creating. And so we did it. So about four years ago, we sold the house and moved to the fan and um it's like a whole new world down there oh yeah yeah i just love just walking out on the front porch and sitting there with the dogs and people walking by and running up to you know vmfa for their jazz nights and they're just there's just a you know i feel like all of us should take time to design the life we want to live instead of going through the motions and being really present and so we do that and my husband's like, oh, my God, you just, you know, built this studio in the backyard and now you're leaving it. And I was like, yeah, well, I don't have enough time. We, so we moved to the fan and a few months into it, I fall down the stairs. Um, you know, these historic houses. And yeah. The third floor is like an attic that's been made into a room. And the stairs creak and everything's kind of wonky, a little bit like shifted. And I have huge feet. I have size 10 and a half feet. Oh my gosh. My feet used to be 10s. When I was dancing, my feet were 10s. They were like really muscular. Now they've shrunk down to 9s. Oh my like, God. Maybe I should take up dancing because if I could shrink my feet a half a size, that would no, be mine got So mine got bigger while I was dancing. Oh, it And did. then they shrunk afterwards. Oh, well, I don't do much exercise, so I, I think. Yeah, I I don't. I think I'm out of luck. Okay, so so I fall down the stairs. It it was really tragic. I had a, I had a brain injury. I ended up with uh, a severe concussion, and it was like I was a stroke victim. Yeah, I could not really speak. Um, I couldn't. It was like the whole processing side of my brain had shut down. So and kind it, of like a stroke, but from falling down the stairs. Right. It's like the symptoms of a stroke. Right. right. I um, I messed up my vestibular system because the way I fell, I was carrying furniture, which I really should outsource that from now on <laughs> to other members of my family. But of course, you know, when we you want something do done yeah. on a Sunday night, I've been waiting you for you to do it. this. Fine, I'll do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. I'm strong so enough. I and I was moving this heavy bench, and when I fell, the bench hit the wall at the end of the stairs and oh. it catapulted me backwards. So I hit the back of the back right side of my head. So I'm really lucky I didn't break my neck, but it messed up my vestibular system. So that means think about like inner ear and all that. I couldn't walk. I I could not. Uh, sound, light, all of that um, was extremely hard. I had significant cognitive difficulties 
but it's like you're trapped because it's like, I know I'm smart and I know I could do these things before, but I can't remember things and I can't get my words out. And it just was extremely depressive. Yeah. So how long did that last? So I was out of my day job for over three months. Wow. And um, we're really lucky because Richmond has great medical care. Mm -hmm. And I went to a concussion clinic three times a week. Wow. I had to have people drive me. I mean, I could not. I I would get dizzy. I would get terrible headaches. It, It was almost like being Sleeping Beauty. Like... It, yeah. you're, it's like when your your cell phone runs out of juice, out of battery, and mm-hmm. it just hard boots. I was in this hard reboot, and it took months and months. I couldn't watch TV. Mm-hmm. I wow. couldn't read because my vision was all bad. Um, and I had to basically lie down in a dark room alone with no stimulation whatsoever. I mean, not three months, but you're talking to a girl who's had four concussions and the last one, a kayak dropped on my head and I was out of work for two weeks with, um, and I was living in New York city. So the first time I went up the subway with those lights and people, I thought I was having a panic attack. I literally got off, started crying and took a cab home and called work and was like, yeah, I won't be coming in. Yeah. It's It's hard. It's really hard. And I had no idea how hard or how long. But yeah, even even when I would start, they would say, you know, okay, well, try to get on the computer, but only be on it for five minutes. Well, it was one thing to look at it. It was another thing to move your mouse across and drag it across the screen. Just something as simple as sending an email. And like I would send emails to coworkers and they'd be like, yeah you need to get off. Like, it would make no sense, but it looked like it made sense to me. Right. Well, so, the screen is so bright, too. Yeah. Like processing. Yeah. It has given me just a completely newfound um, appreciation for health tragedies and, and all of that. But the shining light from all of that is that the only thing I could do, cognitive rest, was I could go down to my little studio in my basement and I could just paint and I mean, not only did I paint, but I like, I would scribble. And I mean, I was getting out all my angst and all my frustrations. And then I would scrape and I would, you know, I would just, I was just passing the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just getting out all those emotions. And then, you know, I didn't feel so useless. But then the more time I spent there, the calmer I started feeling and Also, my doctors would be like, keep a journal so that you can start to figure out when your symptoms get more pronounced and when they start to wane, because that will help them develop the treatment plan for me as far as what things I can do and what things I can't do. And it's really trial and error. So it really taught me to listen to my body. And it really taught me to be present in the moment. And I started getting into meditative practices as well. And so creating art became my meditation, if you will. Yeah. And then over time, the more I did it, I was like, wow, this looks cool. <laughs> let me, let me, let me take it the next step with it. You mm-hmm. know, let's see where this journey takes me. And then at, at the end of all those months, at the end, you know, it, it took a full year to really feel like myself, but I started throwing pictures up of it, you know, on Instagram and then people would respond to it. And, 
and it just felt so good. And again, the symptoms would go away. And so I just wanted to do it more and more and more. And I just said, you know what, if I'm going to, you know, if this is going to be so positive for my soul and, and painting had become this sanctuary that I knew I had to carve out more time to do it. And so I just started setting these small goals for myself, like, okay, well, let me change my Instagram account from a personal account to a art account. And let me start putting things up there. And let's try to make a website. Mm, how do you do that? You know, and, and then I just started connecting with more people. And it's amazing how the creative community in Richmond is so supportive. You know, there's room for everyone, you know. So that's how I got into it. And it's just kind of evolved and grown over the last couple of years. And it's still growing and evolving. I, I still have a day job and I'm, and I'm still an artist. And I feel like creativity can be a superpower. You know, like Maya Angelou has this, has this great um, saying or quote or poem. Or, and, and it is, you can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you make. So I feel like I'm more creative in my in my job at the not-for-profit, and I feel like that feeds into my art practice as well. And and you can't turn it off, right? It just keeps keep. It's almost contagious. There's a so I've been looking at your Instagram as we've been talking. Um, first of all, it's beautiful. Second yeah. of all, there's a quote that as soon as you started, you said something a few minutes ago, and it jumped out to me earlier, but especially now. There's a quote that you have here. It says, "Make an empty space." in any corner of your mind and creativity will fill it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's literally exactly what you've been talking about. I mean, it still time. gives me goosebumps. Yeah. You know, because I have people and they're like, oh my God, how can you, how can you paint? I mean, when do you have time for all this? And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, you know what? I make time for this. Like I need it in order to breathe. Like it, it helps me, ex- you know, manage my emotions. But also if, if something means so much to you, you have to, you have to make space for it, mm-hmm. you know? I think the problem for some people is they don't know what means so much for them, you know? Yeah. Because it's like what you were saying in the beginning, like there's all this pressure growing up to move a certain trajectory or to be what everyone's told you you're meant to be or you're supposed right. to be. And it's, I think, you know, it's so interesting. College is one of those things to me. I feel like in the future it's going to be somewhat outdated. Yeah. Um, except for people going into very specific professions because there are so many ways you can get hands-on experience. And there's so much missed out in your development for going to college. Like, yes, you kind of prolong the real world and take baby steps into being a functioning human mm-hmm. in terms of, like, figuring right. out bills and living in a house and getting out of your parents' place. But, like, if you love art and you're not taking the classes that invigorate your soul because you feel like you're investing all of this money and you have to pay your student loans and you end up in a career that you hate, like, all of that enthusiasm and excitement is just wasted from that fundamental portion of your life that might have helped you earlier to become, you know, tapped into the potential. And I think we all have time frames and timelines and we find it. But it is, it's interesting now, like, as a mom of three, how has this experience kind of shaped your parenting or even your perspective on raising Totally, humans? completely and totally changed it. 
And I think that I parent the youngest one. So my kids are 23, 19, and, and 12. Um, so there's a 10 and 7 year gap. And I am completely parenting the youngest different. And I think, you know, it's it's really interesting because I, I think when I was, you know, in my 30s, in my 20s, in my 30s, there was this notion of perfection and chasing perfection and looking a certain way and dressing a certain way. And I mean, I remember getting into like, you know, knockdown power battles with my middle child about what to wear because I wanted her to have that perfect bow in her hair, you know. And guess what I did last week, you know. I helped my 12-year-old dye her hair, you know, at the bottom. The tips. The tips. Yes. turquoise. And my 19-year-old walks in and says, oh, my God, I cannot believe you let her do this. You would have never let me do this. And I'm like, first of all, you were super preppy and... And you were a tomboy, and you would have never wanted to do it, number one. But um, number two, yeah, you know, she wanted to try it. Okay, as Why a first child, as a first child, I wash feel out. her pain. I feel her pain because I was not allowed to do anything like that. Yeah. My parents were like, no, you can't even, like, drag. I'm dress. so sorry. Ugh. I know. I know. I totally feel <laughs> different. But I both my parents are second children. Of parents growing or changing either. And I, I know. Some of that is, like, you're recognizing your growth and allowing your kids to grow because you've loosened control of yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, I do coaching with people and, often, and just bringing a child into the world myself. I think a lot about how I'm going to screw up my kid. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be, you know, Look, if, if, the hey, if, if, if they don't like you for something, you're not doing your job right if they yeah. don't. I mean, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah, you know? I'm not your dog friend. right yeah. now. I'm yeah. like, oh, you hate me, but you love me. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. But, um, where was I going with oh, that? I'm sorry, bring a child to the world. Bring, yeah, so I think a lot about you know, if I had a kid five years ago, I would be a totally different parent than mm-hmm. how I'll be now in, in another five years. Like, right. who knows? But I think the softer we are, it, we're just a reflection. And so mm-hmm. parenting, it's often, you know, your kid is a reflection of you. And often the things you get mad at are all of the things yeah. that you can't look at within right. yourself. And so it's this battle. Right. But really, it's like ourselves battling our younger selves and then kind of where we haven't evolved past. Right. But we can't consciously allow ourselves to yeah. look at us. It's like, no, you. Well, and I think you have to fall down. Yeah. To really gain that broader perspective, whether... Literally. You, you, whether, right, literally. Um, or, you know, deaths in the family or health mm-hmm. issues or divorce or whatever. It, it forces you to realize, to change for good or bad. And in doing that, you start to notice that perfection is this unattainable, ugly, stressful thing. Yeah. And to embrace the imperfection is so much more beautiful to not know what the end result is going to be and just enjoy the journey. You know, uh, I, yeah, I definitely parent differently. And I, and I, and I see, I see how like parents want their kids to specialize and, and I have, I have, you know, my youngest, she does all kinds of things, and she's a really old soul trapped in this baby body. <laughs> I think she should have grown, been a 1970s kid. She loves not, she loves the music and everything else. And But, you know, 
she'll try something and I'll be like, so, you know, was it the thing? Like, you want to do it some more? And I think, nah. And I'm like, the old me would be like, I just paid all this damn money for you to yeah. do this and you're going to see it through yeah. and we're going to do it again. And, you know, yeah. and, and now she's like, you know, she'll tell me, she's like, mom, it's not my thing. I think I want to keep trying things till I find my thing. And I'm like, yeah, you know? Yeah. 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 So, you know, it, but I got to do it and check. Like I've been taking you for field hockey for how many years? And now you can play in seventh grade and you don't mm-hmm. want to do field hockey anymore. Mm-hmm. She wants to try volleyball. And I was like, yeah, okay. Check. You know, that's awesome that yeah. you want to try something new. Awesome. Go for it. And maybe her thing won't be until she's like 66 and stumbles upon that like random thing. Mm-hmm. That's like all of a sudden, like this is it. So how do you decide to go from making art Mm-hmm. to selling art because I think that's a yeah. huge jump too it is and I and I'm still learning mm-hmm. you know I'm still learning and um, I'm still also trying to figure out you can get really caught up in that whole side of things mm-hmm. and that's not what brings me the joy mm-hmm. but it is the necessary part if you want to keep doing it like you know yeah. so so there's a balance so when I first started out, and did the website first and did the Instagram. And then I just started compiling things and making things. I decided, you know what, I'm gonna have, and people were so curious, you know, they were really curious and wanting to know things and everything. And I started also dabbling and taking some of my art and making them into textiles. And then I had pillows made and everything. So I started, and then I did no cards and I did all these kind of things. I see them. I ended up doing a pop-up shop in my own house. Oh, that's cool. And I sent out invitations to people and the community and everything. And, you know, you never know if they're going to come or not. It was like, you know, really nail-biting moment and everything. And But you know what? They showed up and I sold a ton of stuff. And, And I had variety of sizes and things. And it was such a confidence-boosting thing for me. I remember, I remember one person that I had, you know, who's now a, fr- a friend of mine, but I had met her casually in the neighborhood and everything. And, and she came and she like bought six of my paintings. What? And it and and it. I thought I was gonna just cry in front of everyone because I just I was like, are, are you are you sure? She's like, I want that. I want that. And I was like, are you sure? Like, I, you know, like I mean. But it was that moment that I was like, oh, my gosh. And even after I had this success and then people started reaching out to me yeah, and everything, I still couldn't call myself an artist. That's I hard. That a lot. It was like imposter syndrome. Yes. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Like, that's why. So we always ask people, what do you want to be called? Yeah. And it's always the hardest question for people because they're like, uh, I guess I don't know. And it's like, you should know what you are. Like, you're a founder. You're a CEO. You're the president. You're the whatever. That's why you're here. But it's, like, still so hard to accept the title. Right. And to be like, this is what I am. You know what? I think we're all artists because we're literally creating our lives from the moment we step into the world. And so... That's such a beautiful way to put it. I feel like when you just... You're kind of just taking ownership of your life and what you're sharing with people. But there are a lot of people that are stuck going through the motions. Sure. And live just kind of joyless lives. Yeah. Uh, lives. Totally. And so when you have that moment of realization that you are going to create your own life or design the life you want to live, mm-hmm. wow, that's empowering. 
you know? Yeah. You can pick up and move to another city. You can change jobs. You can, you know, start a side business. You know, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, you can, why not? It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you went to art school. And I think for me, that was the big thing is like, well, you know, the question that would come up would be like, oh, where'd you go to art school? I didn't go to art school. You know what I mean? But, you know, and then I have this mentor who's this amazing professional artist. And um, I did a lot of workshops with him. And he's local. He's fabulous. His name is Diego Sanchez. The VMFA just recently acquired one of his one of his paintings for his uh, for their their private collection. And and he's in collections all over the world. But anyway, I was talking with him about this. Like I, I still can't say it. I can't say it. And he's like, Okay, well, well, let's break it down. Do you make art? Yes. Well, then you're an artist. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't. He goes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you learned it, where you went, if you studied it or not. If you make it, then you are. It doesn't mean it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, that's to each their own. Yeah. But if you are creating it and you're making it, then you are an artist. And then somehow then I could say it. Yeah. You know, from that moment, it was like, yeah, I'm not saying whether I'm good or bad. I'm just saying this is what I do. And that's everyone's projections anyway, because they're just digging up their own stuff and seeing, you know, how they react to it. But it doesn't change what's actually on the paper. Right. Or the canvas. Right. Or the textiles. Or the textiles. Uh, I also think it goes back to all of the pressure. It's like from the very beginning and bills and... You know, just figuring out how to navigate this life. It's constant battle of ego and constant show up or proving ourselves. Or it's just even the conversations you have is what college do you go to? And then in college, what major do you have? And then you enter the adult world and what job do you have? What college do you go to? And just assumptions of like, oh, that's your income. Or like, we're not of the same class. It's not Mm -hmm. like... What are you interested in? What do you do for fun? Right. What, who's your favorite? Those are not the questions you get until like down the road. Right. And then it's like, oh, we just are in similar spaces so we can coexist. But yeah, I, I think we miss a lot from that perspective growing up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, where is there any room in your college time? to do that passion class just for fun. You know, I, I tell my my daughter who's in Prague, just do it for, you know, take a course for fun. Like, you know, do photography or do something, do something that's completely different, but there's no time. They're under that pressure. I got to yeah. have these many things. I don't have time. I have to be in this, that, 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 you know. Yeah. I totally don't need a baby. No one needs a minor. That's not my thing. Is I'm like, <laughs> no one needs a minor. No one cares if you have a minor unless you're oh, like. she's got like three. A I language. Think, you know? <laughs> I know. It's like, no one really cares what your minor is because it's like not going to really give you that much anyway like you're not going to learn a language as a minor probably but so I was every major and I was everything and I my minor was finding my major so I got (laughs) to take those school classes I took like the most bizarre like yay liberal arts education but like my minor was digital art really I took digital art classes I wasn't great I was going to take digital art I was going to do digital art, and then I just took every. I took everything. I was I athletic did, training. Oh, yeah. I minored in communications and digital art and majored in psychology. But I didn't even figure out I wanted to do psychology until I was a 
junior, my second semester. So same with law school. Switched. Same with law school. Man. I mean, you're 20. Like at yeah. that point in time, like how are you supposed to know? Yeah. yeah. I remember getting to. I remember getting into high school, and they like you know, the little ninth grade, and like, okay, we're gonna talk about your five year plan. I was like. What do you mean my five-year plan? I'm going to graduate in four years. What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, no, all through high school in your first year of college. And I'm like, what? Yeah, at, at 14, 15 years old. Yeah, you have old. to know yeah. that? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. No one knows that. Stop it. What? God. So thinking of having to figure out how to navigate the world and not just thinking about how you price your art or how you financially mm-hmm. succeed, but having a financial services background and being in the world of money and mm-hmm. choosing to downsize and choosing to create a different lifestyle for yourself. What was that process? Like granted you had found there was more passion and more joy and more excitement, yeah. but then when you start looking at numbers and breaking down right. luxuries versus necessities versus comforts and balancing right. children and vacation and kids, right. What was that process like for you to step? I mean, it's one thing to know you're passionate and know that that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing to take the leap and say, screw it. Right. Well, you know, we all have choices, whether we're getting the brand new car or we're going, you know, buying the second vacation house or having extravagant vacations and, you know, the the latest, you know, wardrobe and everything. I mean, those are all you know, deliberate choices we make. So, you know, choosing to downsize and live the way we wanted to live meant that we had to, you know, make some other, you know, key decisions. You know, it meant, you know, the our kids were going to go in state to school instead of the great schools they got into out of state, you know. So those were tough decisions. Those were, you know, but... It's that kind of thing. You don't get the new car. You keep driving it, you know. Um, I'm driving mine, and I don't have air conditioning I, right now. It's awful. I know. <laughs> but, you know, you you know, you, you just kind of make those things. You know, we didn't do anything really elaborate for vacations. We had staycations this yeah. year or whatever. But, but, again, that doesn't mean you can't stop dreaming. It's just you have to prioritize. And prioritize is, is you know, a big thing. And so... Um, you know, I can't survive on pop-ups, right? But the other thing is I'm still balancing, you know, two careers. I've got my, you know, I've got two careers I'm managing. And mm-hmm. and so, um, so I find that now I'm trying to, how do I optimize my creative practice um, and ways that can be more profitable as well? That's a great way of thinking about it because you have so many people and like so many, especially with artists or designers or something that go into it and they're like, oh, I'm just going to like make things, do things that people will pay me for it. But you do have to think about it from like a profit perspective. It's like, yeah, I, I love doing these things and these are the things that light me up and bring me joy. But how do I also feed myself? Right, right, exactly. And, you know, when you're first starting out, too, you're a little bit self-conscious, right? Are you any good? Will anybody like it? You know, and so you end up saying yes to a lot of things, and you have to be willing to kind of take some different risks. Um, But now, you know, I'm in my third year or so. Yeah, third year. I'm in my third year of doing this. So this was the year, the third year, where I was like, okay, I need to have a more thorough strategic plan. I, I can't, I got to use my business acumen 
that I used in all my other careers. Right. And if we're going to really want this to flourish, I can't say yes to everything. I don't have the energy or Mm -hmm. the time. But then I also have to, you know, make some key decisions. And so that's where you start to look at, okay, what is my mission? What, What do I really want to accomplish? And really set some very specific, tangible goals. Um, and and then chase them down. So, so what is your mission? Um, oh gosh, I should have read it before I came here so I could remember it. So you, um, you know, I want to live an artful life, and I want to create beautiful products and objects that bring joy to others, and that I want to engage with art lovers and designers and um and cultural enthusiasts so you know that's kind of it if yeah. I, if i typed it out it would probably be much shorter and much more streamlined that's, that's, a heart. Heart. that's like a yeah. heart that's yeah. a heart word or yeah. a heart word that's a heart like a heart, a heart mission yeah my question is how do you think having this brain injury accident happened to you do you think it changed your thinking or do you think it freed up space in your thinking? I think both in a way. It was so scary. I wasn't sure I was ever going to be that smart girl again. And yet it I, it was also that moment where I was like, what, what if I did break my neck? What if I was paralyzed? You know, what if I, it, you know, all these things kind of go through your mind that, that I think it just makes you feel really grateful in a way, but then it also just kind of makes you like, what the heck am I doing? Like, what what am I doing with my life? What is my purpose? And I kind of forgot that. Can you say that again? No, yeah. This is deep. We're getting deep right now. We get deep here. Um, I mean, I guess my question is whether you think it changed your thought process, like it not like rerouted things, but do you think in a way, yeah, do you think it like rerouted? You know what? I think it did. Do you think so? I think it did because from what I understand from brain injuries, when you have a concussion, it's like it's like the whole thing shakes, right? Mm-hmm. And all of those neurons that were there have lost their way. Mm-hmm. And so all those pathways have to get reconnected. And it's a very, very, very slow process for doing that. So I think the fact that I was every day creating and painting and meditating I really feel that it helped my recovery. I feel like, I think it, I really think it was therapy in a big, major way. But I also think I re-strengthened neurons that maybe got pruned through my young adulthood. I like that. You know what I mean? Because that's like the adolescent brain. You start trimming down and not using things. And I think, I think I just reconnected. And I, I have a friend who is, is uh, a nurse and he has um, worked with people with different kinds of injuries and such. And he's heard of people who have had brain injuries and then they they turn into like these piano protégés and, you know, they, like it's just wild. wild. And and that's the wonderful thing about the brain is that the brain constantly. It's so plastic. Yeah, it constantly, it can, you know, form new things and everything. So it's just really that's so cool. Yeah. From an existential and like a spiritual perspective, it's almost like, and I, I said this about birthing once about the inner earthquake, but it's kind of like an earthquake took place within mm-hmm. your being and just kind of 
created a new chapter for yourself. Like yeah. you crossed a bridge to this other side of your life. Yeah. And it's also interesting because it almost feels like when you talked at the beginning about yourself as a child and being the artist and like that was your identity within your family and then it's like you kind of lost your way not in life and like you yeah. were successful but the soul and the mental part yeah it's almost like there was a disconnect between the joy of being in your body versus the joy of being yeah. in the world and now it's like you through kind of discovering and all these things and then you have this one cataclysmic event that said no this is who you are yeah and like put yourself back together Definitely. It, um, it, it's, it's, it's like I've reconnected with my inner soul in a way that just feels right. Oh, that's what we all need to do in the world. We'll be such a happy place. Well, I'll be killing it as entrepreneurs. We'll work together. We'll make the world better and peaceful and happy. Oh, my God. But you know what? When you, when you are a creative person... The creative process is so full of just ups and downs. Yeah. You know, and it's like you go one minute like, oh, my God. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, my God. This is crap. Oh, what am I doing? I'm like, you know, that I'm, you know, it's just it's up and down and up and down. But God, I mean, it's just um, such a more thrilling way to live, you know? Well, if you think about it, too, it's like people cruise through their lives without Mm -hmm. having any ups and downs. It's just pretty mediocre. Right, yeah. so you kind right. of need those highs and lows to remember the lows make the highs great and you can't mm-hmm. keep a high always without having something to remind right. you of what that duality factor. Well, we've been asking people this season, we've been trying to like ask some standard questions towards the end because okay. like, we feel like that's something we should do, honestly. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I think it was on the ask people oh, yeah. what we asked People wanted it. You guys yeah. wanted it, so yeah. we're doing it. Yeah. Don't it, say we never did anything exactly. for you. We surveyed our listeners, and we were like, what would you like to hear more of? And they were like, some standard <laughs> some actual questions across powerful women. Less cackling. Um, <laughs> so one of the things we've been asking people is, what is the best business advice, or I guess here, like advice for a mentor that you've received? Best advice. Well, you know what? Um, I don't have one big magic pill or nugget to share, but here's what I think is really cool about Richmond. I don't know. Richmond just keeps getting more creative. And, and I mean, we have a, a lot of work to do in terms of being inclusive and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of resources. Like the first thing I did is somebody told me, you know, you don't even know, like, how do you start a business? How do you get a certificate? How do you get, you know, should you do an LLC? Should you do this or whatever? And the Small Business Bureau offers free, like, you can set up an appointment and go down there and meet with them. And, you know, so there are there are things like that. You can take a class at Studio 2-3 about, you know, coming up with your strategic business plan. You know, you can go to legal hour at the broad. You mm-hmm. know, there's there's just, there's a network, especially in the female community, that I think is really special is in that community over competition. Just start talking to people. Start networking. You would be surprised at what you can what you can learn just by having coffee with someone. But you gotta have the courage to take that first step 
and you have to not be afraid to fail. You gotta, you gotta just keep trying and you gotta just keep talking to people, send emails. Some people will never respond. Be the kind of person that responds and, and then pay it back, you know, pay it back some way. I love that. That's, I mean, that's how I met like all of the people that I'm so close with in business that have all like gone on and done things. And I'm, it was literally just like cold emails. I was like, Hey, I'm creepy, but, um, could we hang out? And would I, can I ask you questions? Right. And everyone, I think almost everyone's like, yes. Same with how we started the podcast. Same with how we started the podcast. We were like, you don't know us. We're not from here. We just decided. We don't know how to work equipment, but we're going to try for you. But Um, you know what? You take that first step, and then the second step becomes easier. Yeah. And then all the... Yeah, it just just starts to to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're... I looked at our numbers the other day, and I was like, wow, that's a lot of zeros to see. Like, the people that have downloaded this podcast, and it's just like... Wow. Thanks, guys. Thanks, you all. Um, so what is your – well, I guess that was your piece of advice. So the next question is what's your piece of advice for other people? And so that kind of sounded like your piece of advice for other people, your best yeah. piece of advice. Yeah, go out there and meet other people. Meet people. Meet people. In Talk person. Talk to people. Connect. Yes. In person, absolutely. Get a coffee. Support your small coffee shops. Yeah. There are lots of women-owned ones. Women-owned ones, well, men-owned, whoever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, be the kind of person that you want to be. Like, the way that you wish you were supported, go out and start being that person. That's so funny you, know? you said that. I have a sign on, I have, like, I wrote my, like, own, like, my practice mantra because I was like, I need to, like, figure out, again, kind of like, what am I doing? Like, what's, right. what's my run-through-everything theme? And one of them was, like, be the lawyer that you needed. When you needed one. Yeah. And it's like, yes, be that person for other people. Just because you didn't have it. Right. You know, that just means that the need was there. So be it. Well, and you wrote it down. Because when you write it down and you post it somewhere. Right. It's looking at you. You're looking at it. And it becomes more real. Right. So if, if so just set those t- three small goals, you know. I'm going to figure out how to make a website. I'm going to get a business card, you know, just so that you can then be able to reach out and talk to people and they yeah. can figure out how to find you. Just start small that way um, and get yourself a cork board and put those things on there that you that you want that you want to do. Mine in my 20s was be an interesting person. Ooh. Which is literally how I lived my life. Just be interesting. No. Do I'm more. Not, I'm totally yeah. in the growth mindset of just journeying into myself, but it's all good. Well, so if people do want to find you, well, obviously yeah. we can't hand the business card through the iPhone or Spotify, you know, situation, which we're on Spotify now, guys. Um, how do they find you? Where can they find you on the internet? Where can they find that website? Yeah. So the website is theodoramiller.com or on Instagram, Theodora Miller Fine Art. That's easy. Yeah. If you're looking for us, you can find us at www.nexttuesdaypodcast.com. You can find us on social channels as Next Tues, T-U-E-S, podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so with your dollars at www.patreon.com slash podcast, or you can sponsor an episode at some point looking on our website. Yep. Get in on it. As always. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.